Good evening, welcome to another edition of 48 Shades of Football, everyone's favourite English language podcast about the K-League. I'm joined as always tonight by Paul, a solitary host tonight. We have no Tom, we are Tomless. Uh, after his guest stint last week, he unfortunately was unable to find the secret location two weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, th- thanks for having me back. No problem at all. I keep changing the location so one day you won't find it, but unfortunately uh, your extrasensory perception is is too good, yeah? My skills in that department are very much developed. Ah, very interesting use of much there. Um, I guess we'll get to that any second. Uh, but obviously we're, we're, we've got quite a, a lot to cover, but most of it is going to be covered by someone else yep. tonight. Uh, Always good when the burden's shared. <laughs> is indeed. We'll have a special guest slot, even though we only have two hosts. We have a special guest on as uh, Asian football writer Martin Lowe is going to come on uh, and join us later on during the podcast to talk about all things Asian Cup. Uh, I guess you alluded to some much needed uh, news, so there's going to be some muchness coming up later. There have been very much transfers this week. They have indeed, well done with that. Your career is getting better. <laughs> um, I, we'll talk a little bit about the shenanigans going on in China. We'll talk a little bit about Seoul season tickets, I believe, because we talked about Songnam last week. I'm reluctant to talk about what's going on in China because every time we talk about it, the very it next day something else happens. Yes. So <laughs> just leave the poor guy alone. Maybe we should, yeah. And then we'll look at some pre-season uh, training, warm-ups, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But that intro music, Paul, you want to take us through what you chose because I chose last week's. Yeah. Take us through what you chose and why you chose it. Um, I think it's quite obvious what it was and the reason why is because uh, allegedly, I don't think it's been officially. It's not officially been announced yet, but uh, Kyungnam have signed a British player to the K-League. They have indeed. Jordan Much. Much travelled, Jordan Much. Yep. From... Do you see what I did there? Yep. <laughs> uh, he's coming... Well, it's not quite as good as when we did it with Jamaica, though. Well, no, no. Jamaica go... Jamacha. Jamacha. I mean, I guess it's not been confirmed, but, but the rumours are that he's coming from Vancouver Whitecaps, I believe, right? Yep. Having spent... Young Pills old team, right? Ah, um, maybe. Um, is that where um, what's his face came from um, Eland Martin uh, it was indeed I believe, he, I believe he did come from Vancouver Whitecaps which also then means so did the guy who didn't play the guy who just sat on the on the on the, <laughs> the, the bicycles I'm sure if Dan's listening uh, he'll, he'll be getting angry at that comment again yeah um, but yeah so Jordan much, much travel as I said he's been to a few clubs um, but could be one of a handful of British players who have come to the K League. I guess if he comes, we'll maybe go into more detail about other examples. But uh, if it happens, do you think he'll he'll fall the way of Niall McGinn and play three games and then leave, or do you think he'll become more like and uh, Andy Cook? Andy Cook, right? Who was almost the Golden Boot Award or something, right? Uh, but a bit before my time. <laughs> you, what you just think the K League starts in 2013? I don't. It, it, would have, it was around long before then. I know. Um, <laughs> but it started in 2008. <laughs> um, what there's been about five or six British players who've graced the K League. Um, That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, only Cookie is one that could be described as fairly successful. Okay. All the rest were very. Unsuccessful, I think you would say. Okay. I guess Daley and Atkinson, 
Atkinson stuck around for two or three seasons, but he didn't exactly set the, the league on fire. No, but Derek Asimov? Uh, yeah, if, yeah, he's Ghanaian, isn't he? Yep. <laughs> um, but he came from the UK, right, or something? Uh, I mean, there was a few of them who came over because of... Uh, Porterfield, right? Who was the Busan right. manager at the time, but, right? But also, I think we've got to say that back then, Korea was a very different place to what it is now. And theoretically, it's uh, now cosmopolitan enough that any British player ought to be able to uh, settle in quite quickly. Uh, but as we saw with Noel McGinn, it's still not that easy. So uh, we'll see. Uh, in, in fairness, that was Gwangju. <laughs> um, I think it would take a very... Interesting person to be able to set one Guangzhou, to be perfectly honest, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like... It costs ourselves thousands of Guangzhou-based listeners. <laughs> yes, all two of them. Um, so, yeah, so that was what the intro music was about. We'll wait, I mean, we'll see if it happens, and I guess we'll give you updates as it does or doesn't happen. One thing that looks like it has definitely happened is um, it was a rumour during the week that FCSO were poised to sign a Serbian striker, Bosnian striker. Serbian who used to play with Leon um, yeah. uh, and we discussed Atalanta was that? Atalanta okay and, okay. and we discussed uh, you know if he was coming who was who was leaving it's obviously not Osmar you know um, nothing would surprise me yes well I, I, that's a fair comment and it turns out that t- today all has kind of been re- revealed as the rumours are that Matic has had his contract uh, terminated uh, how many games did he get through? Um, not many. He scored once that I can rem- remember. But didn't he come as like the Slovenian or the Serbian or Bosnian league top goalscorer or something, right? He was st- so the previous season he was the second top scorer to um, Jeric who, play- who was playing for Kangwon. Okay. I think he got twenty-five goals or so for Kangwon, uh, and Matic got one for Seoul. So. Okay. Interestingly, when we signed, when Sunderland signed Philip Halowski, uh, he was the top goalscorer in the Slovakian league. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess maybe it is still difficult for players to settle <laughs> when they come to Korea, right? Okay. Talking about finding it difficult to settle, uh, last week we gave you Che, che Watch. Yep. Um, this week, as you alluded, Che Watch has changed again. Yep. What's the latest rumours from, from China before we get into the Asian Cup? Um, he, it's not rumours anymore, isn't it? He's, he's actually signed a contract with Dalian. Uh, so I think pretty much the, the day... Up, we, we, we were talking about rumours that, his, his that he was having his contract with um, Tianjin terminated. Mm-hmm. The very next day, that was all confirmed. Uh, but within a couple of hours, he was rumoured to be on his way to Dalian uh, in... Uh, and then the day after that, he was in hospital in Beijing with uh, like heart pains, I think it was. Uh, and then during the course of the week, uh, it's all been confirmed with Dalia, and he's going to take up management there. His team's following him. I've updated the Prediction League bonus questions accordingly. Okay. Well, I assume he's not going to be a Tianjin come, come the split in the K-League. <laughs> oh, you, you'd imagine so, right? <laughs> I can leave it in as an option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is another option. I think, I think we all get the answer to that one now, right? Um, but yeah, so it looks as if he. Well, so yeah, so he's going to be at least in the K League, we reckon, until the summertime. In China, sorry, until the summertime. And then probably in the K League after that. And interestingly enough, um, despite having a, a £6 million bid on him from Watford, Kim Min Jae is also likely to be in China. Yeah, so I talked a little bit 
about that with Martin. Yeah, which you'll hear in the in the kind of section coming up. Um, you know about kind of that is a bit of a surprising move. I mean, if if he has been approached, if there actually is a contract on or an offer on the table from Watford, it's a bit strange he would choose to go to Beijing. Well, Chumbo said they've received an official letter from Watford, right? Official bid, so. So, I mean, not like John Book to tell when he lies, right? <laughs> but anyway. He just lost all our, our listeners in Chonju. <laughs> so, so who have we got left? The soul people. Let's just get rid of them in a minute, right? Hello, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah, very interesting. I mean, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. There's been a lot of kind of transfers happening this week. I mean, probably too many to actually go through again. And the podcast that William Pop has left Korea. He's moved back to Brazil. So um, Pop Watch is over. Pop Watch is over. Uh, Sonna signed two guys who from lower leagues in Europe, one from the Latvian league and one from the Austrian league, I think it was. Um, and there's a, a bunch of other players moving backwards and forwards. John Book confirmed the signing of a brother, brother Hong, the brother of the goalkeeper. Um, and an Australian as well. Uh, yes, who seems to have split Twitter down the middle. There's some people saying he was exceptional for Central Coast Manors, some people saying he was absolutely woeful, always injured. Uh, some people even going as far as to say it's a ridiculous signing by John Book. Doesn't make any sense. Um, go to look at it and say, where does he play? Who, I mean, how many players have they got now, right? I mean, Thiago, Lopez, this guy, um, and, uh, Adriano. Yeah. I mean, you, how many strikers can you play in any one game, right? So it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of K League fans on Twitter that know Jose Moreas inside out, um, having spent two days at Oakwell. Um, so. I'm going to assume that um, this You're is not feisty tonight, aren't you? I'm going to assume that this is not uh, kind of surprising news for them, right? Uh, I also saw that one of the Brazilians, which club was that? He, he's had his contract terminated because he was too unfit in the pre-season training. Is that right? Mm. I want to say Tego or Chandam or one of the teams with three Brazilians. Um, was that, yeah, it was just announced today. Well, I can't remember that. But yeah, he's uh, turned up, presumably turned up to pre-season with a, a few extra kilos and been able to sh- unable to shift them. So they've got rid of him. They're going to find someone else. South American with a few extra kilos that he couldn't shift. <laughs> Came to the wrong league, probably right. Should have been. Should probably have bypassed Glasgow. Maybe <laughs> he'd have shifted them no problem there. Um, we've just lost all the Scottish people. Um, Darren Flett, sorry about that one, mate. Um, but yeah, uh, one last transfer was the signing. Um, Pusan announced the signing of uh, ah, the Brazilian from Gangwon. That's a big sign of intent. They're obviously looking to kind of get out of the K2 as quickly as possible, yeah? You prepared really well for this, didn't you? Uh, I did the interview this coming up in a second. What did you do? Um, so I, don't, anyway, I, don't, I don't know how many random statements and <laughs> sort of unknown facts there are in that. So I, don't, I, I didn't speak. Um, so let's move on swiftly to the uh, Asian Cup. Asian Cup. Uh, this is. I'm, I'm going to leave you to talk about Korea Bahrain uh, because it's a family podcast, and I feel if I say what I actually think, we'll lose all our listeners and probably get taken off the air. Uh, I think they made heavy weather of it. That's polite. So they were t- team that finished third in the group, um, qualifying with a last-minute goal. Uh, Korea pretty much walked through their group, but in that match, they had a lot of possession and they 
kind of created a lot of half chances, but they were so sloppy, so careless. Uh, Huang Yichan got a goal, but <laughs> some of the other chances that he... Oh, uh, yeah. It was... I mean, it looked as if I had penalties written all over it, right? Yeah. Uh, during the the extra time period that, you know, we, we did discuss in our group chat, you know, if it came to penalties, was Son going to have the, have the guts to, to step up and take one? Um, I mean, everyone knows my opinion of Son, but I, I just feel that well, in that game... Let me ask you your opinion of Son, because what we've said, okay. in, the, what we've said in the past is that when he's on the pitch... Career just try and funnel the ball to him in the hope that he'll do some magic, and he doesn't. But my impression in, in this tournament, he's been basically sitting back, not really doing anything. He's been, he's been kind of a, a midfield fulcrum. He sort of gets the ball sort of halfway between the, the, the halfway line and the box, and then looks to push it forward onto Weijo or Hangi Chan. But he's not really being, uh, not really taking the lead or being aggressive or being selfish at all. I don't think. I mean, I think. We discussed this on the podcast last week a little bit, you know, that how the way that, that he's been played in the Asian Cup is different from the way he just dominated, uh, demanded everything in the Asian Games and in the World Cup as well. Uh, so yeah, I would agree. He's he, he's become more of a of a not I don't want to say more of a team player, but maybe less of a of the selfies, give it me, give it me, I'm your young type thing. Um, but to be honest, I think he's still been ineffective. I think he's. I, I, I don't see. I don't see how he's improved him in the two games that he's played. And I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, that I, I don't particularly. Uh, I still think if Korea are going to win this tournament, the their best chance of winning it is is without Son on the pitch. I, I don't think he's bringing anything to it. You say that, but they've got so many injuries nowadays that so I mean he can't he can't not play right there. Okay, so you could yeah I mean I would agree with that point as well. They, I, I think yeah, with key missing yeah he has no choice but to play on. He's the only alleged leader that they have left. Could, could you believe the reports about the whole medical team for the Korean national team? So this is the thing. So we actually uh, Tom sent me a couple of audio uh, clips um, before the podcast started uh, about that and yeah it definitely looks as if the guy who basically who seems to be getting most of the blame the kind of head medical chief or whatever he's only a part timer he has like volunteer work he's not even getting paid properly for this um, the rumours that are coming out is that I mean again we'll be talking about this with Martin in the in the next section but the rumours that come out is that you know after the game he was rumoured to have a thigh strain, turned out it's actually been a hamstring, he played on and whatever, he ran off in training. And that, that's a huge, huge um, mistake for even a, a volunteer worker to make, right? Um, Bento has come out allegedly and said that, you know, he doesn't understand the Korean media, why are they, are they being so negative? You know, he's played like 10 games, he's unbeaten in 10 games or whatever it is, like eight, ten games. Yeah. You know, it's like unheard of for a new Korean manager and yet instead of the country instead of the media getting behind him which he feels the country is behind him he feels that the media is, is against him um, I think we discussed this before he apply for the England job yeah so I think we, we, we discussed this before last week's podcast it's not going to end well this appointment is not going to be a success um, they, for whatever reason the Korean media do seem to have it in for him, um, or at the very least, 
I mean, they're reporting these rumours about the KFA telling him he had to call up Eastern Europe, telling him he should have played them. Um, he was obviously without Son for the first two games. Okay, he knew that was happening. He wasn't, I guess, involved in the Asian Games decision, but you know, he he knew it was happening when he took over the team. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a particularly harmonious relationship by the by what you're reading online and. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But and uh, so, national team had professional medical team for the 2002 World Cup when they were going all out. But since then, they've relied on the kindness of strangers. Uh, do you think that's foolish? Or I think it's incredibly foolish. Um, I mean, I, I wonder if Tottenham know this. And uh, what if any of the teams know this? You, you would think that if that, yeah, you think if Tottenham knew the situation, they'd be saying, "Well, we're not going to send our our player off to be." Sort of spend a month with his team if they're not going to treat him properly if he gets any. I mean, how do you, how do you think Newcastle feel right now with, with the fact that Keyson Young's ruled out for however long, uh, with whatever you know, like a potentially misdiagnosed um, injury, right? I mean, yeah. I can't imagine Newcastle sitting rubbing their hands saying, "Fuck, it's all right, it's only key." Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't imagine any team's happy about it. Things were quieter, but Newcastle fans were just as devastated to lose Key as the Spurs fans are to lose Son. Well, I mean. So. Spurs don't see. I, I, I don't know if they follow the EPL much these days, but from what I can gather, Spurs are not exactly collapsing without Son in their team right now, right? It's true, but they've got this uh, vaunted, vaunted lineup, and Son's out of the Asian Cup, and two of the others, Kane's got injured, and then there's a um, Deli Ali's injured himself. Yeah. So, so I think uh, Son's probably a big loss for them right now because of their injuries. But, but I mean, I mean keeping out of Newcastle is probably pretty, pretty big as well. Uh, and then, I mean, just look at the, uh, the key league teams as well, who could be without, you know, one of the, I mean, if Wangi Joga's injured, then Gamba going to be without him and so on, right? So, yeah, I mean, definitely it doesn't seem as if it's a particularly um, good situation within the Korean training camp, squad, hierarchy, KFA, whatever you want to call it. And just just last thing before we move on, Eason um, came on, got some playing time. Were you impressed with him? Um, Does he deserve to start the next game? Honestly, I don't think any of the 11 players on the pitch deserve to start the next game, but they've no choice, have they? So the answer to that is yes. <laughs> well, I'd rather... Okay, who would you choose? Who, who should get in the team in front of him? He, did, he didn't start the game, though, did he? He came on. Yeah, but I mean, who should start the game in front of him? Would be, uh, I mean, who, who started the brain game that should start against... In the next round, who? Um, who? Who was great? Which Korean player played as if they actually cared about what was happening? They were they were a terrible. It was an awful game. Kim Jin Soo. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone came out of it with particularly. Goalie made a good save. Yeah. Okay. I still think it. Uh, Cho should be in goals. I, 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 I don't get why he isn't. But five minutes in. And a, and, a, and a Bahrainian guy called Maroon leashes off an unstoppable shot. And I was getting ready to do a smart, like a, a snide tweet about Maroon 5. And then the goalie flings himself and saves it. So you couldn't do your tweet? Couldn't do my tweet about Maroon He's 5. done it anyway. <laughs> you think if it was a guy called Maroon, he'd have like the shot at number 5. But he was number 8, so didn't work. Maybe Maroon 5 are not that famous or that popular in Bahrain. <laughs> They probably have a different name for them as well. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so that was a little bit about, about the Asian Cup. We're obviously going to go into a bit more detail now. Um, 
as I mentioned earlier, I met up with was it meat, but I, I skyped with Martin Lowe, uh, who taking a talk about all things Asian Cup uh, so far. Okay, so tonight I'm joined by Martin Law, uh, Asian football writer, um, who's, who did a fantastic uh, preview of the Asian Cup before the tournament started to kind of put uh, most of, of the kind of Asian-based writers to, to shame. Uh, it was kind of one of the most detailed, if not the most detailed preview that I, I actually read. Um, so thank you very much, Martin, for taking time to come on. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for the introduction. Looking forward to it. So I guess like, the, before we get into kind of talking obviously about the Asian Cup, uh, I'm just wondering if you, if you give us like a little bit of background as to what it was that kind of got you kind of attracted or kind of interested in, in covering Asian football. Well, I was kind of was interested in a bit of football, a bit of anything um, world football related while I was at university, um, and then just a writing opportunity um, came up with samples for goalposts um, on the run up to the 2014 World Cup. Um, and then from there, it's kind of just spiraled out of control. When I'm watching kind of <laughs> Kyrgyzstan um, football at the weekend, <laughs> shunning my um, wife and kids to watch those sort of games, I think you've gone a bit too far, but uh, <laughs> I enjoy every kind of part of Asian football from there. Oh, fantastic. So it's been something that you've been doing for the last like sort of four or five years then, yeah? Yes, yeah. Okay, okay, sweet. So, I mean, obviously, like, as I mentioned in, in the introduction, you know, that you did a, a kind of detailed preview on, on, on the Asian Cup. Um, so that's kind of primarily what we're going to talk about tonight, yeah? Um, so I guess, to begin, I mean, obviously, uh, Australia won the Asian Cup uh, four years ago. Um, you know, they've kind of had a, had a, maybe not the best start to the tournament so far. Like, do you think, I mean, have they played like you, you expected? I mean, have they played like defending champions or have they played like a team, you know, that kind of had a lot of injuries in the, in the lead-up? Yeah, it's been a struggle for them, I think. I think they've been lucky in some elements to get to this stage um, unscathed. But I think it's a trend that's um, followed across the whole of the tournament. Obviously, Korea and Japan haven't kind of got going really yet. Even Iran, kind of being the favourites, have kind of stumbled in a couple of things. So I think it is quite systematic that they are growing through the tournament. Australia, obviously, have had a bit more kind of uh, disaster on the pitch. They obviously lost the first game. Uh, they struggled in the last round against Uzbekistan and took it to penalties. But as you say, the, the injuries before the tournament really kind of hampered them. Um, Aaron Moy is the big kind of loss for them, but yeah. also in attacking areas. Um, Martin Boyle, um, obviously, being a Scotsman, um, he's obviously a, a big miss for them. Um, and obviously, you've, got, you've lost two key retirements as well. Uh, Yedinak and Tim Cahill who uh, left after the World Cup so there's a, a big holes to kind of fill um, especially having a new manager Graham Arnold coming in so it's, it's getting that stamp on the team there is a couple of kind of good young players and kind of new blood getting um, introduced um, Alan Beals starting to make a kind of name for himself Chris Economides um, and the right back Ryan Grant they've all kind of started having a kind of bits of good performances but they're no kind of team ethic at the moment um, and I think that will only kind of grow going into kind of the latter stages um, and the, the performance will possibly they could probably get through the quarterfinals against UAE but then from there they'll they'll need their A game to start beating uh, the Asian elites really to kind of get any chance okay. of um, retaining their title 
Okay. I think you talked to him about Martin Boyle. Uh, I mean, obviously, we had Matty Ryan, I think it is, who, who was the kind of hero of the penalty shootout. Um, there's been like a lot of talk back home in the UK, you know, about about players kind of having to be freed up sort of during the domestic season. You know, you had Spurs and the KFA that kind of negotiated uh, Sun Young Min coming over. Uh, you know, like two games late. Uh, the less I talk about Sun, the better on a family podcast, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, that my own team, Celtic, that we lost Tom Rogic for a very important. Uh, Celtic Rangers game, which we actually ended up losing. Um, they, what is your opinion on the on the club v country debate? I mean, do you think you know it should be the you know the guy who pays your wages? You know, that the club should come first, or do you think it, it is a case of if you're getting called up to your country, then you should want to go and represent them? Yeah, firstly, I'd say it was an illustration of um, where Asian football is um, at the moment. Four years ago, we didn't have this sort of kind of issue um, of club v country kind of uh, stranglehold, really. Uh, a lot of the time, it was kind of just fringe players kind of going on to the Asian club. Clubs were kind of slightly peeved, but they weren't kind of um, overly um, fussed about it. But I think nowadays, where we've got a lot of Asian players playing um, in the Premier League, especially, um, and being key integral players, um, obviously Ziara Moy, uh, Ki Sun Young, um, Matty Ryan, um, and obviously Tom Rogic for Celtic. Um, I think it's obviously a very difficult situation. It's obviously a personal thing between players um, and the clubs and countries but I don't think anything that the clubs can have any kind of complaint about it this has always been in the kind of um, FIFA calendar um, when the, the fixtures were kind of set up at the beginning of the season um, Brendan Rodgers and the Celtic team would have known about this um, going forward so to kind of bring it up in the last minute and kind of say this is ridiculous and so forth it just seems a bit um, smacks itself a bit of ignorance really of world yeah. football um, the kind of there were a couple of um, situations didn't help it. Obviously, the Sun Hung Min situation where he had an agreement to come later in the group stages. Obviously, that has paid off um, immensely for every side. Really, I think Sun obviously got this military exemption for the Asian Games, um, which then he missed. I think the November internationals, which I think he he put um, having missed that I think he's um, said that rest helped him kind of have the brilliant form that he's had in December and January um, for Spurs and I don't think Korea really needed him in the group stages kind of going into the Asian Cup but um, obviously Australia have been heavily reliant on um, Tom Rogic to do the same Uh, there was a couple of others uh, Neil Etheridge who's the goalkeeper at Cardiff City refused to um, be called up for uh, the Philippines national team and um, this is a player that's um, he's not a big part player for the kind of Philippines or anything like that he's been playing uh, for over the last kind of four or five years to, quant- to qualify for this um, moment and this is the biggest time in um, the Filipino football history yeah. um, for him to kind of turn down this opportunity to continue and focus on his club career with Cardiff it does it sits uneasy um, with me um, whether there was any kind of pressure from from his employer's point of view or um, whether uh, you never know do you kind of what kind of underhand dealings are in there yeah. um, but you, for these players kind of to miss out on effectively their golden opportunity and Tom Rich could be winning the Asian Cup um, for him to miss out on that for a game against Rangers which I, I can understand is a big important um, tie this season um, it would just seem a bit odd for me Okay. Yeah, and I don't think it was helped by 
by comments from people like Chris Sutton, who you know, kind of talking about you know, stick to your your prawns and the Barbie kind of sort of stuff. I don't think that helped any of the situation either. Which is which is kind of what Sutton does. He he, he just inflames things. Yeah, he just tries to find up, doesn't he? Yeah. The, the main thing, obviously, to take from it is that we won't have this problem in four years' time because it'll be in the summer, eventually, yes. at the next Asian Cup. Obviously, we'll have the World Cup in the winter, which will have its own problems, but yeah, we yeah. deal with that then. So. <laughs> I guess. so, I think, I mean, if, if you go back then to the Asian Cup, you know, they've, they've been approaching the quarter-final stage, in fact, they're actually in, in this evening. Um, has it been, for you, has it been a standout team? You know, has it been a team that either truly disappointed or a team that kind of has truly surpassed your expectations? Uh, it's been relatively predictable, I would assume, um, but I think Qatar are the team that are kind of standing out as the kind of real surprise package. Not necessarily surprised with the team, people that knew Qatar in the beginning, but um, I think for outsiders' views, the fact that they've kind of breezed through quite a lot of pretty decent teams and not considered a goal thus far yeah. is very impressive um, especially with a very young team so the team's kind of averaging 24 uh, years of age um, this is the team that is, is going to be built predominantly for the 2022 World Cup so they weren't expecting them to be kind of world beaters at this stage but I think so. I think there's been an acceleration in their development and it'll be interesting to see if any of them kind of get any moves to, to Europe off the back of this really okay. um, I mean you mentioned Qatar there. I guess it would be a miss not to kind of comment on some news that broke yesterday. Uh, you know about potentially that some of the players that have been called up are not actually, or may have been born outside of the region. I mean, do you think there's any truth in that? Is it just kind of like uh, the rumor mill, the, the kind of mischief making? Or what do you think? Um, regarding the Qatari kind of uh, nationality kind of debates, um, it's it's a bit kind of unclear of who's kind of brought this to the fore, whether it's a political reason or whether it's sour grapes from Iraqi point of view of losing yeah. um, the other day. Um, the obvious, the, it's quite clear. Um, I would say it was quite clear of some of these players haven't been born in Qatar. Um, it, it, for context, kind of uh, running back kind of five years ago, Qatar were um, proponents of um, nationalising South American players um, midway through their careers, even I think near the end, there was a 37-year-old Brazilian who was nationalised as a Qatari. Um, that has all kind of changed, and these are all young players that have come through the Aspire Academy at Qatar. Uh, the two players in particular, Al Moez um, Ali and Bisham uh, Hassan, um, are both um, have both been in Qatar since they were seven years old. Okay. Um, it's it, from a kind of a human perspective, um, it doesn't feel like their cases should warrant any kind of questioning. Yeah. Um, it's just rather it kind of falls within the FIFA statutes um, of whether they've had enough experience in the country and so forth. But okay. I wouldn't think that it kind of it, um, it will become a problem. As I say, they've both been in the country since they were seven years old. Okay. Um, their parents have worked in the country. So it's rather they've had citizenship for um, a good five years. So I wouldn't think it was a difficulty. Yeah, I mean, we've had similar things in the K-League over, over the last couple of years where some, a couple of players have come in on the um, AFC uh, slot with like, Syrian passports or Palestinian passports or something as well. It turned out that maybe, maybe they weren't exactly uh, legitimate passports, yeah? But hopefully yes. this isn't the case yeah. this time, yeah? Okay. So that you mentioned 
you know, about players maybe getting a move to Europe. Uh, they, they, one of the big names that's kind of been attracting interest is uh, Kim Min Jae from from Jongbuk. Uh, he's been linked with Watford and with Beijing. Um, he seems to be swaying towards moving to China. Is that something you find surprising? Is that is, is that a move that you think would be a better move than going to Watford? Like, what do you think? It does seem surprising, especially on his kind of career trajectory. Um, I usually get often, I often um, stick up for Chinese, um, the Chinese Super League and players wanting to go there. But I think in this sort of situation where a player is, is not young, he's not old, he's kind of in that middle on yeah. the way up, um, it, it seems odd that he'd want to kind of go to China instead of testing himself in the best league of, of them all, really. And it's not like he's going to Man City and he's never going to kind of get played um, in there. I assume if he went to Watford, he would have a good chance of kind of contesting to start so I'd assume he'd want to go there especially at the same time he's playing alongside um, Kim Jong-won who's not played barely a minute for Guangzhou Evergrande at the moment Um, and the same reason that Chinese Super League doesn't um, um, it doesn't use a plus one situation so they don't have to play an Asian they don't have um, that Asian player slot so effectively um, I think Kim and Joe would be under threat by having four foreigners played ahead of him anyway because yeah. especially with the money that the Chinese Super League teams have they'll probably bolster up with Brazilians and European players and only play Kim and Jay in, in the um, in the Champions League when the plus one comes in act so it all seems a bit odd it does <laughs> seem odd yeah um, and he's obviously a very decent player and he's shown that at this at the Asian Cup so um, whether he's playing out for a better deal elsewhere I don't know You'd have to ask the player, obviously, personally, um, what his motivation is. But I'd hope that he would see sense and go to Europe, at least try it for a year, and then maybe give China a go. But at the age he is, it seems perfectly suited for him. Okay. Uh, do you think have there been any other players who have kind of stood out who, who you think make that move to Europe? I think those um, the Qatari players have, have been the kind of standout ones. Okay. Um, Almost Ali has been the kind of the goal, uh, the leading scorer of the tournament. Even Jose Mourinho uh, compliments him on Qatari TV the other day. <laughs> um, so you would hope to kind of see one of those ones. Uh, sticking with career, I think um, Huang Inbom um, has looked a very interesting player, and I think he could kind of do a job in um, Bundesliga, some of the, uh, a league like that. Um, and there's been interest in him going to the MLS, which I don't know. It depends on your opinion on the MLS, but. Um, uh, I think there's quite a lot of young players and it's quite hard to kind of see the opposite from the work permit point of view and whether they'll be able to get um, anything out of there so even just an upstage in leagues so within Asia so uh, Gwen uh, Kang Hai who plays for uh, Vietnam uh, plays for Hanoi at the moment in Vietnam he's very highly rated and um, could probably make it in Europe whether he'll make that step straight away maybe he'll have to move to kind of Japan or Korea and so forth and go from there um, one player that's been overdue of kind of a move to Europe is um, Alireza Berenban, uh, the goalkeeper for um, Iran, who saved the penalty the other day uh, from Oman. Um, I think it's his year to kind of move up um, and take that kind of mantle of being the best goalkeeper in Asia. I think okay. um, Matt, Matt Ryan's got that it's kind of locked in because he's playing in the Premier League. So uh, for Berenban to kind of move into uh, Europe into a better league and to test him at the highest level, I think that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, Someone's move in through. Okay. And what about Wangy Joe? Do you think there's any chance of him ever gracing a pitch in England? <laughs> I would love it. I think <laughs> his, his 
acceleration has been brilliant, hasn't it? The um, ascension of his career, yeah. especially once he left career as being a real kind of, uh, he didn't have a good reputation at all. And I think he's reinvented himself with Gambara Osaka. Yeah, I mean, he's coming back into form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not followed him as the super sub at Songnam. I mean, I remember when he was, you know, like number thirteen coming off the bench when came back bomb was bringing him on with ten minutes left. You know, then he became our star striker. You know, scored in the Asian Champions League against Gamba in Gamba, actually both home and away, scored against Evergrande. And then, yeah, he was terrible in the K2. That when we got relegated, he was he was terrible. And then he moved to Gamba, and suddenly, yeah, as you said, he, he seems to have reinvented himself. Um, yeah. I mean, this was a guy who, who who needed six chances to score one. Uh, yeah. He's probably got that down to three or four. Even from the Asian Games when he went there, and I think a lot of people were questioning why he was even selected. Yeah, that seems foolish nowadays. Yeah, it, really, because he's kind of their only striking hope. Yeah, I mean, he was he was exceptional in the Asian Games. I mean, I mean that that was he was fantastic there. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking about Korea, there's been a lot of injuries um, that kind of in the build-up. I mean, we, we talked about Martin Boyle, obviously. Uh, there was, I think, there was two Japanese players. Uh, there was uh, Na Sang Ho, I think it was, a Korea who also pulled out. Now we've got Ki Sung Yong, who looks as if he's potentially played his last competitive game uh, in a Korean shirt. And there's been some rumours online uh, that it's maybe down to the Korean medical staff that, that, that uh, Bento was brought in, maybe not being as, as good as it should be. Uh, I mean, there's also talk about maybe being the pitches, you know, like, is there, I mean, do you think it's been an, it's been an, an, an abnormal number of injuries? There seems to be a lot of injuries on the run-up to the, yeah. the Asian Cup. Whether there's been too many at the Asian Cup, not too sure. I said the pitches have looked brilliant, to be honest. Yeah. They, they um, put the attendances to shame. There's no one in the stands, but the pitches look up to scratch. So, <laughs> yeah. um, regarding the career situation, it doesn't sound great, does it? So um, I think Ki Sung Young was um, diagnosed with just a, a small thigh problem that he could run off, maybe, um, and it was ended up being a hamstring issue, yeah. which is a bit worrying that um, you've got kind of medical staff that... By the sounds of it, they're just um, they're employed kind of on a part-time basis, and it's um, not a full-time position, which seems ridiculous for a team yeah. career standing. Exactly. Um, now the next thing I want to talk about is is VAR. I mean, obviously, the, the VAR wasn't used in the group stages. Uh, I've heard it's getting implemented from the quarter-final stages onwards. Um, first of all, I mean, why do you think you know in their flagship tournament, they, why have the AFC waited until the quarter-final stages? I mean, is that like a purely financial reason, maybe, or it just seems a bit strange? Well, I'm, I'm generally against VAR okay. in any of its use, any, any of its uses, even if it was thought through. But in this kind of stages, it's even, even worse that it's kind of it was a last minute thought. I think it was, rich, I think it was announced kind of September, October time that oh, we need to get VAR in um, into the Asian Cup. Oh, we'll introduce it from the quarterfinal stages onwards, which seems. If you've got the facilities already, you'd think you'd bring it in from the group stages. Yeah. Um, and that's the worry that it's kind of a bit haphazard. Um, just kind of looking at um, the kind of the staff that they've got available. They've got two um, video assistants from Italy and Netherlands. Have they got any like kind of link up with any of the Asian referees? Have these guys worked before um, under certain situations? Um, only one of the eight referees set to do at the uh, quarterfinal stages actually referees in the league that has VAR um, implemented so that'll be that kind of worry um, from that, a purely kind of technical point of view from VAR and whether I think it's any good or any 
I think it's too grey. Um, I think there's so many issues around kind of football in general and the officiating, and we've seen them. at the Asian Cup that the standard of referee has been diabolical. Yeah. To to suggest that oh, if we have VAR, um, all these decisions will be corrected, I think is quite naive. Um, the the same officials that are on the pitch are going to be in the, the VAR box, so there's almost certainly a chance where they're going to get it right. Um, right twice but then there's also a chance where they get it right then they get it wrong and then it's all a bit of a mess really yeah. which I think Asian football is a bit like that um, I think any if you ask anybody kind of uh, for their experiences uh, VAR in domestic football I think Australia and China in particular have been really heavy um, heavily hard done by by quite a lot of decisions and it's a weekly basis in the A-Leagues that um, the, the commentaries talking about the AR rather than the football and that's just to hope that that's not going to be the case over the next week or so yeah. where a team's kind of hard done by by a VAR decision and it's overblown kind of the football that we've seen so far so fingers crossed it doesn't go horribly wrong but uh, yeah I'm not expecting the yeah. bad thing and mm-hmm. uh, as you see it in the K-League have you been um, impressed with it or not? I mean uh... I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, I, there seems to be this, because there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about bringing it into Scotland now, and there seems to be this kind of idea that VR is similar to Hawkeye, you know, like in the tennis, where it's like, you know, it's a computer that makes the judgment, not some person watching TV. They don't seem to realise that if the, if the level of officials is poor, then it's poor watching VR as it is on the pitch. Um, and I think in the K League, it's been a disaster. I mean, I don't know anyone who actually likes it. Um, you know, they we have we have a situation. Um, yeah, so with the situation last year, where there was a game, Songnam, my team were playing Eland, and there was a, a foul, and the Songnam striker kicked it back to the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper did it go into the goals, and on VAR the referee gave gave the goal, and we won the game one 0 and that's just the most farcical thing I've ever seen. The guy literally passed it back to the keeper. He didn't catch it. I went in the goals, and we won the game one 0 It's it's a outrageous decision, and I think the idea of VAR, if it was able to be properly implemented, it, it is okay. But I think in 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 real terms, it just doesn't work. Um. So Martin, uh, so Martin, like in terms of, I mean, obviously they we've enlarged the the format. Do you think that the enlarged format uh, has has been a success in this tournament? I think in general uh, the the positives are that the football is more competitive. We've seen a couple of teams kind of really come to the fore of that we weren't expecting. So kind of Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, uh, Philippines played quite good football at, um, at times. Vietnam have got through to the quarterfinals. So I think that the quality of football is very much more competitive, and I think much of that has got to do with the World Cup qualifying system. Uh, and then having more game, more competitive time against better teams. Um, we've, we've seen, obviously, that kind of stretch to the elite kind of teams. Um, obviously, it's the best World Cup we've had um, ever for and from an Asian point of view. Saying that, there are negatives to it, and I think the expansion they didn't go far enough, as in um, having 24 teams and allowing teams to progress out of the group stages in third spot seems farcical. In that kind of regard, it's been very predictable. Um, most of the teams, most of the favourites do win games. Um, there was only five draws from the 36 games and 
most of them were kind of as expected um, form book kind of wins uh, Syria I think were the only team that really kind of failed at the group stages um, and as we've spoken about Australia they've they haven't played well, but they've kind of got through because of the system, really. And they were always going to get at least third in the group and kind yeah. of progress from there. Um, I think the World Cup will have the same sort of difficulties when we do expand it. It's just it's the way that you expand, I think. If you expand and you still have that competitive element, um, then that's perfectly fine. But I think in this kind of stage where it was easier to get knocked uh, easier to go through than get knocked out. It's, it's just a backwards way of looking at it. Okay. okay, cool. And then finally, like, who do you predict for the semi-finals and obviously ultimately the final, and who will win the tournament? Do you think? Uh, it's, as I say, it's been quite predictable. So I'm going to expect it, the big four to kind of go progress. Uh, it seems odd that they've kind of been kept apart for now. Yeah. So probably Iran, Iran, South Korea, Japan, and Australia to get the final four. Um, and then Iran-South Korea final, I think. I think it's been destined for quite a while. Um, and I'll stick with my pre-tournament pick of South Korea. I think um, Sun will fire them to um, the title. Let's <laughs> uh, <this laughs> agree to disagree on that one, yeah. Uh, I, I I agree with your final two. I think it'll be Korea and, and Iran. But I think, as I said to uh, Scott McIntyre, as I've said a few times on the podcast, I just feel that Korea will ultimately bottle it at the last minute. And... Uh, my money is on Song Hyung Min missing a penalty and the penalty shootout, um, <laughs> and it's all going to end in tears that for Song. That sounds hopeful. <laughs> yeah, that's way more hopeful than what I actually think. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I was kind of disappointed that it didn't go to penalties uh, on on Tuesday night because I'd like to see if it would take yes. one. Yeah. I mean, it always back to the Uzbekistan game, you know, like in the Asian Games when he, he didn't take the penalty, and then in yeah. the friendlies afterwards he took the next two penalties and missed both. Um, so. <laughs> Um, it'll be interesting if it does go to penalties quarter final semi or final I'll be interested to see if Son actually steps up and takes one or not uh, but yeah I mean I would agree with you I think definitely it'll be a Korea and a Iran final uh, obviously for me if Korea wins it'll be fantastic um, but I think it'll be just I think it'll be another four years of heartbreak I think yeah Okay, so Martin, thank you very much for taking the time to come on. I know the connection was a little bit ropey at times, uh, but thank you very much for your patience there as well. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament, and, and hopefully we can get you back on again, maybe around the Asian Champions League time as well, yeah? No worries. Um, I'd love to come back on again, but have a good uh, rest of the tournament. I hope um, Korea do um, end their wait, a year's wait of... Um, winning the, the title for you even if someone does score a penalty <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fantastic if they win but let's just maybe have Wangy Joe score a hat trick in the final yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks Martin thank you very much take care thank you cheers guys okay Okay, cheers mate, thanks very much Martin thank you for that yeah no worries okay, sorry about the connection no problem I think it's my what end okay have okay. a good one yeah yeah I okay. do okay, see you later bye 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 here's some pretty interesting stuff to say uh, and he clearly knows a lot more about Asian football on a whole than we do because we're kind of we're pretty limited in our scope of what we know it's, it's about the only time someone said I'm pretty slim <laughs> but yes uh, obviously we share the same viewpoints on, on, on VAR uh, I don't I totally disagree with you <laughs> uh, and we I guess don't share the same viewpoints on Son um, but some interesting stuff about Qatar there some interesting uh, kind of 
Topics about so this this Qatar issue was raised uh, overnight. Yep. Uh, obviously, Martin thinks it's kind of a non-issue, but the way that FIFA works is always a little bit murky, right? Yeah. So if they do decide to make an issue of it, what what do you think should happen? It's I don't think FIFA or the AFC will make an issue of it until after the tournament anyway. So they'll deduct three points from Qatar after the tournament. Yeah, basically, yeah. They, they, nothing, if anything, will happen that will affect... Well, uh, they've got a game in a couple of hours. Well, yeah. so it's 24 hours, right? Yeah. So even if they did something, um, Qatar would go to the court, court of Arbitration for Sport. Yeah. And, yeah. Nothing's going to happen and that's going to affect this tournament. Maybe going forward in the future tournaments, yes. But this one, nothing's going to happen, yeah. But it seems to be a non-issue anyway, so... Okay. Okay. Speaking of non-issues, sole season tickets. Uh, they're non-issue so far, but announcement, they go on sale uh, Friday morning. So okay. Price? By, by the time you're listening to this, they will be on sale. Uh, price has been held at the same amount as last year, 150000 for a full season ticket, okay. 80000 for 10 games, 45000 for 5 games. A uh, little bit of a change. They're giving out scarves this year. Okay. Uh, and also, if you had a season ticket last year, uh, and you renew, you get a 10% discount. So. Is that the first time that's happened? Yes, it's the first time it's happened. Wow. In the eight or nine years I've been having a season tickets. Songnam is 5%. Had scarves before. Songnam is 5%, 10%, 15%. 15%. Depending, uh, depending on which season ticket you have. No. Oh, for three years. So if you've renewed for three years, you get 15% discount. I think that's what it is, yeah. That's what I got last year. So I guess that's what I'll get this year. Uh, wow, so pretty much giving season tickets away or something now. Um, I mean, I think last year my season ticket cost me something like 72000 or something, yeah. So I can uh, put you down for a sole season ticket? Nope, not a open hell. You won't go to five games at Sangham? At, Sang- <laughs> at Sangham? No, I, didn't go to, I haven't been to five games in two years. Why would I suddenly go to five games in this, in one year? Um, I, haven't, I haven't been to Sangham five times in the last two, across two years. What about if uh, Sol's new signing turns out not to be... Um, this Serbian guy, but um, Henrik Larsson or some other Celtic legend. <laughs> Henrik Larsson's 48. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling. Chris, Chris Morris. <laughs> Chris Morris. <laughs> Maybe Gary Hooper, right? <laughs> Even Magidi. <laughs> uh, it would take a lot I more than. Say Chris Boyd, but that's the wrong half of class. That's the wrong half, yeah. It would take a lot more than a, a Celtic legend to make me go to Sangam more than five times. Yeah. I'll be there twice for the for Songnam. So I will be there twice. You used to come quite a bit when Dury was playing. Well, that was Chad Dury, though, right? I love to smile. <laughs> that, that should have been the intro. It should have been maybe I love your smile, not not the Jordan Mutt song. <laughs> okay. Um, Scarves. What do you What do you think? Obviously, the last <laughs> that random. I say we get we're getting so back in the day. Um, Sol always used to give clothing as T-shirts and. And scarves, they give them scarves every few years. And they didn't do that for the last few years, and fans have been complaining. The last scarf I remember them giving, I think, was maybe 2013 or so. Okay. And it was a nice kind of half and half. Not a traditional half and half where it's half, for example, Seoul and half Eland, because basically, same fans. Yep. Could do it, do, do, they could do the double sided scarf for that, right? But it was one that where you hang it down uh, and the two ends meet in front of your chest to make a, a, a full picture. Okay, um, but half and half scarves. Well, I I hate half and half scarves. Obviously, there's no no circumstances in which you'd allow them. Mm. If I had to choose a team, half and half Celtics on them. 
Ja eller nej? But the problem with a half and half Celtic song name is it would be too much like a half and half song name John Book. That's the only problem. So if I was going to choose a key league half and half, I would probably go with Songnam and Buchan. Songnam and Buchan, because yeah. well, Songnam half of it's black, yeah. and then Buchan, you could get away with saying half of their scarf should be black as well. So it would be an all black scarf with one red stripe. <laughs> so it would look okay. <laughs> okay. But what I thought into that one. But the whole concept of half and half is they wouldn't do that though. They'd take opposing colours. So then in that case, yeah, you, you'd be looking at... It would, to be the, the most opposing colours, it would need to be uh, Songnam and Jeju. It was half black, half orange. That would be too much like a ranger scarf. So again, I'm going to stick with the... Okay, yeah. I was half black, half orange, a ranger scarf. Because the half orange bit is a ranger scarf. <laughs> you could... You could you could take anything and, and make it into that. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. But let's throw one out there. Let's, let's throw that out to the listeners. If you had to have a half and half scarf, who would you allow the other half of your team scarf to be? So if you're a John Book fan, would you allow it to be Osan, Shindy Clubs? Uh, if you're a Soul fan, would you ever allow it to be uh, the Blue Wings? I think Scotty just vomited if he's listening. Um, if it was, I mean, we actually had the two Suwon teams, right? They did a half half one two years ago. Um, you know, if you are a Pohang fan, I know there's none, but if you were a Pohang fan, uh, who would you want on the other half of your of your scarf? And you cannot say Seoul and Pohang because that's just the same. Well, it's a different pattern, isn't it? But technically, you would just be the same, yeah. It's like Yeovil and Celtic. Yeah, technically, technically. Okay. Um, anything else to wrap up before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of things to talk about. Obviously, um, all the clubs are back in training, and we're seeing, starting to see a couple of friendly results coming in. Yep. Chumbuk played a friendly today in Japan. Uh, they won 3-1, two goals from Lopez. And one from Hansen Gu. Yep, so uh, Yi dong set up one of uh, Lopez's goals. Yeah, I've seen that, so, yeah. In case he was uh, to play in. Yep, so... Songnam be someone in Thailand to know. Uh, no idea who scored. Didn't see the goals. But, I mean, obviously, you can talk a lot about pre-season friendlies and most of them turn out to be fairly meaningless in the scheme of things. But one thing that was interesting for me I saw this week is that the K-League refs have gone on pre-season training. Okay. Uh, did you see the article? I did not, no. Did you see that I tweeted about the article? I did indeed, yes. <laughs> he saw that one. You scroll up a bit more and you'll see, see your... <laughs> I saw the tweet, I didn't read the article. Uh, yeah, so the refs have um, gone on a sort of a week or so's pre-season, maybe 10 days pre-season. First part spent in Germany, where they're doing technical training on uh, when, and when, when and where to award red cards, penalty kicks, uh, sort of improving their, their VAR skills. Uh, after that, they'll move on to Turkey, um, I think Korea and Turkey have a very good relationship. That's probably why they've gone there, where they'll uh, participate in refereeing up to 40 um, friendlies with involving professional teams to sort of uh, practice the skills they've learned in the classroom on the pitch. Okay. Um, it said last year their ac- refs' accuracy was about 98%. Wow. Which was up 2% from the year before. Um, you think that's? Do you think that's an accurate statistic? No. 
I mean, but you probably find that that 98% is about as accurate as the performances on the pitch as well. But, I mean, you've got to assume that every time they fail to, every, every pass there is where they don't blow a whistle, that's a, a decision that's gone right. right? Oh, okay, I guess, yeah. So theoretically, they're observing thousands of passes during each game and lots and lots of tackles. And if they don't blow their whistle when nothing happened, then that's an accurate decision. Okay. Decision. Potentially. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I guess I guess we, we we probably only remember the howlers, right? Like Songnam's Vargo against Thailand and so on, right? So if you say what probably let's say three howlers across um, six Kaylee games per weekend on average mm-hmm. uh, over thirty eight weeks. So that's but there must be thousands and thousands of decisions. Yeah, I guess. So, I still think it's 98%, though. Uh, I, think should, I think the percentage should be higher, given what they're working with. Okay. So their pre-season, so the whole thing will last, you said, like 10 days? Hmm. And then some time in Turkey, right? They'll be back the weekend of uh, Lunar New Year. Can not come back April 1st? So we have <laughs> a full month of K-League without referees? <laughs> I'm willing to step in. For a couple of games here, here and there. You're not fit enough. That's, that's not what she said. <laughs> okay. Um, what I would say though is that we often we've had some discussions about whether they got the VAR right or wrong. I don't know if you know this, but on the Kaylee website they've they've introduced like a, a monthly VAR roundup where they go through each VAR decision uh, and why it happened. Okay. Why what happened? And they've got a lovely presenter to take you through it. And it's part of the K-League's um, sort of um, transparency. So it's trying to be more transparent about making sure that everything's ethical and above board. So I would encourage you to watch the uh, the videos, even if you don't know what's going on. Okay, I will do. And uh, especially um, Solnam Games to see what and why and where a VAR decision was made, yeah? Because some of the VAR decisions we've seen have been... Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous, but you've got to assume there is some some reasoning or logic that went into the decision that that's not obvious on the first okay. see. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Okay, and anything else to take us through? Uh, probably. There's been a lot going on this week. I'm sure I've forgotten something. But, okay. Uh, well, if not, I guess as everyone heard earlier, you know, it was very interesting sitting down with Martin Law, as you said. You know, he, he obviously knows a very a lot about Asian football, a lot more than. That I know for obscure, for obscure Asian football as well. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, as you said, it all started with standards for goalposts. You know, like a great, great uh, website to follow if you if if you get the chance. So yeah, definitely, there were some things I didn't realise, I didn't know about. You know, so definitely for me, the outro has to be. Uh, so now you know by the horrors. I think we should have called our podcast Handbox for Goal for Goalposts. We should have done. Handbox for goalposts. This changed the blog and the podcast and everything. Kimchi for goalposts. <laughs> Kimchi earns for goalposts. Okay, take it away, the horrors. Yeah.